You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I, I, today, I just really feel like the Holy Spirit's just moving. A little differently. I'm, I'm feeling it differently than I have in a, a while here. And I just feel this, the real presence of Him today. And, and today's sermon is going to go into 1 John, and maybe that's why. Um, before, if you remember last month I, I preached on 1 John, I did like the first four verses. And I just want to do a real quick summary of what we did. And then we can get into the, today's part of it. But there were four main points that we made last time when we did First John. We said, the word of life is fact, not fiction. And if you remember, we said, we don't believe in Jesus because it gets us to heaven. We believe in Jesus because it's true. And that was a fundamental part of that section. The word of life is proclaimed. It's not hidden. It's not private knowledge. This is something that God wants to release to us. He doesn't want a, some you know, guru on a hill. He wants all of us to be everything we real. He wants us to proclaim it. Then it says, the word of life forms a community. This is really essential that we understand this. He's raised up a body of Christ, and that's the church. And the last thing is the word of life is our source of joy, and our joy is complete. When we say our joy is complete, there are a lot of, of variations, if you will, different strains of places where joy exists. But the joy being complete means we have the full range. So we don't have just joy in this area, but not too much joy here. It's a full range of joy that's permanent. And that's a wonderful part that we talked about. So we're going to look at the next three verses in 1 John. This is the NIV, so we're going to get verses 5 through 7. And it says, this is the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us all from sin. You know, that verse 5 defines his message. I mean, that verse, verse 5, that says, God is light. That is so amazing and so all-encompassing that we have a tendency to let it stand alone. And we, we want to proclaim, proclaim it and we want to be bold and announce it. But we almost overlook that without us involved, in other words, the rest of these verses we're leaving a lot of that behind because he's a light to us, for us, and in us. There, there, in this section, there are going to be six if statements, and they run all the way to chapter 2, verse 11. And so that's going to form this, this little series I'm going to call In the Light. And so I'll be here next week, and I'll be back again when Rick gets back and I get back and everybody gets back. Everybody's leaving and going and on vacations, but... The next time I preach, I'll do part three. But I really love it. John, just after those first four verses, he comes right back again and repeats the source of his message. 
This is the message we have heard. He's talking about the very voice of Christ. The voice that still resonates in his ears, that he still hears, that he hears that voice. And it's interesting that the word for message that he uses is angelia, which is a little different than what they usually word for message. It's actually the noun form of, an, of, the, of the verb announce. So it's basically the announcement that we announce. You see what John's saying here is, this is verbal. We've got to proclaim this. So he's making every word he can to say, we've really got to speak this out. Because faith is from hearing. And until we, we make it heard, it's hard. Then God is light. God is light the character of God. You know, this is different from the Greeks. And, even, and the Romans too. They want to know the essence of God. John wants us to see the activity of God, his character. John wants us to focus on his will and his, his mindset, if you will. And so that's why he follows it with, and in him is no darkness at all. He's making a razor-sharp ethical uh, implication here. He's saying there's no gray area. This is God is light. And if it's darkness, it's not of God. And so there's not a lot of gray area. And that's really, really different than what the Romans would have expected or the Greeks. The literal translation is the God light is. The word the is on God, meaning God of gods, the, 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 the highest and most high. Then it's just light is without the definite character. And that's, that goes directly into the quality, the nature, and the character instead of the light. He's not a light among other lights. He's not a light bearer, actually. He does not have light as one of his characteristics. He is light. So and we, we read, it says, I am the light of the world. Those are his exact words in John uh, 8, 12. That the, there he has the article, but it's the light of all creation. So it makes it all encompassing. Then he said, those of us who were raised in the Nicene Creed, it says, God of God, light of light, true God of true God. It's light, not the light of the light. It's light of light. You know, John will expand this, but we really have clear, all through the Bible, differences between light and dark. So we see life and power under light. We see death and futility under darkness. And I, I like this verse that goes with it. It says, in him, this is John 1, in him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then we have the good and evil, which is very obvious. But then John 3, 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may plainly seen, be, plain, be seen plainly 
that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Amen. I love that verse. I used to not like it a whole lot. I used to be the guy that would step into the dark a lot. But truth, righteousness is light. But falsehood and counterfeit is darkness. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, No wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. This is really, really more important than you may think. Because it's real easy for us sometimes to see the obvious darkness. But when they masquerade as goodness, they masquerade as the love that the world gives. It gets tricky, and that could be the darkness. And that's some areas where we can get sucked into it. The other is the realm of God is light. The realm of Satan is darkness. Acts 26 says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Amen. That's a whole different, he's talking about you're going from one kingdom to another. There's a transfer of loyalty, of honor then light is revelation yes. and darkness is hidden and secret. Matthew 10, so do not be afraid of them for there is nothing concealed that, that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. There is no, there's nothing hidden in the light. Now I have to admit, anytime you do a list of verses like this, if I go this far without something from Ephesians, I feel like I've missed something. So I've got to, I've got to go to Ephesians 5, and I'm going to pick up at verse 8. Because this reflects us. Yes. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what, dis it, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See, it's really important to understand that, that what was going on when, when John wrote this. There was, um, there was a lot of false teaching in that day. False teaching that's in our time. It's, it's continuing. And it really consisted of three primary areas. First one is that our lifestyles are not a true representation of our relationship and knowledge of God. And I see this. We, we, we're people that, that proclaim that they are of God make excuses of why they are in areas that are not godlike. Uh, probably uh, one of the most obvious areas is the, what we call sexual freedom. And so they say, but I, I love God, but he understands. Well, he does understand what you're doing, and it's in darkness. He, he understands it completely. 
The other thing is that light is knowledge, and they claim that the truth is not something that necessarily needs to be lived, but something we know when we come into agreement with. So we have a lot of times we see this, where people keep saying, I want to dig deeper, deeper into the word. I need to get deeper into the word. I get, and they won't go anywhere with obedience. They don't want to, their actions aren't following their, what they sense is true. So if we don't proclaim the word, then our actions aren't true. Our, our, our truth is not in us. Because if we had great news, we can't wait to give it out. And if we don't have good news, we kind of keep it secret. And that's how we are as humans. So that's the other one, though, most of us don't really worry about this one. But God did not, they say that God did not take on a human body. That he was a secretive, mysterious spirit. That he wasn't actually in a, in a human form. Which then makes, means he didn't represent us at all. We have to really understand the, understand the, the incarnation and the resurrection of the body, and the ascension of the body. Because yeah. he didn't discard his body. He, he considers our body sacred and wonderful. It's his special creation, that we're unique among his creations. So in this book, John offers a series of guides and tests to, to compare the differences of a follower of Christ and someone who maybe has got a a mental ascent to Christ, but isn't living in the light. Maybe they, they're somewhere in, and maybe they're in open rebellion, but he's giving us this contrast. And I'm going to let you know something. I was just telling somebody before this. This book used to just, I, I wouldn't read it. I didn't like it at all. Because it left me with a lot of condemnation and guilt. I felt terrible sometimes when I read this book. I'm like, man, I am, I'm, in a, I'm a mess. And I thought, there's no way I'll ever measure up to someone who walks in the light. I just thought it was impossible. I thought that was so far away from me, you may as well ask me to bench press 500 pounds. It was virtually, I thought that was impossible. So the first thing I want you to hear is this. Conviction from God is always good. Yes. Hear that. Conviction from God is always good. Capital G. Good. And God's conviction always points to himself. And it also points to solution. When you're convicted of God, you probably know what you have to do. He's already given you that. And I want you to understand something. That when we accept God's solution... It activates the grace that he's given to us to make that happen. Now notice when we, we accept it, that's not when we get the grace. The grace at the, at the moment of conviction, we just need to activate a grace that's been released already. So if you're fighting, I'm just, I don't know, an addiction, and you get convicted, there's been grace that's been landed on you right then. And you know what you're supposed to do, but you're, you, you recognize this is going to get complicated and it's going to be difficult. And we maybe get backed away from it. But then when you say humbly, Lord, I'm accepting your conviction that grace is activated and you have the power to do it. Does that mean you'll never stumble? I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is you'll move to healing 
through that. Now see, the difference is condemnation is not of God. It's an attack and it's not a correction. It's not about remedy. It's not about solution. Condemnation only wants to isolate you further and push you down without possibilities. So when you, you know, have you ever had, I've had someone come up to me after a sermon and go, oh, what a great sermon. I just, I feel so terrible. And I, I'm like, you, you didn't get convicted. You, you, were, you were feeling condemnation and we had to talk about it. And, and it was funny because the person turned it around. They actually heard a conviction. The enemy attacked them and turned the conviction into a condemnation and said, you could never do this. And so it, and it ended up, the person actually, I don't want to say who it is, but the person's really working on a lot of things and it's changing in a lot of ways. So, so I didn't say that you're going to love God's solution, but know that God's solution is God's love. And that's the part of this that, that I was missing out on. There were times I was being convicted. I just didn't like the solution. So I thought, oh, I can't do that. I had a small view of God. I didn't think, you know what? If God wants me to bench press 500, he can make a way for that. I hope he doesn't ask me anytime soon. <laughs> All right. So let's move to the first of the if phrases, if I will. And it has to do with our relationship with Christ. So now we know we've got this idea of light and dark. And it says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You see, that was when it bothered me. You know, it's funny because with the Romans and Greeks, that word relationship was more casual, like a club. It might be a trade guild. It might be something like this. They didn't look at that word relationship as a very, very personal thing. This here. John, John here is talking about healthy family relationship. And so you may have the shared goals of going into the family business, but what starts that relationship is your family. The love of family is what binds you in that relationship. So it says if you say you have a relationship with him, that you're bound in love with him, and you walk, then you're, you're, it's, not, it's not it. You're not getting it. And notice it's a present tense. It says, walking as a lifestyle. This is walking as, as, a, as a pattern of your life. And it's habitual. And it's not of the life. Now think about this. How likely is it for someone that's in a habit of walking in darkness to bump into the one who has declared, and in him there is no darkness at all? It becomes very difficult. And then he continually, purposely walks in darkness. I think it's important to separate the idea of walking in darkness as opposed to walking into darkness. Let's be real clear on this, because all of us are commissioned to walk into darkness as light. And those, you know, those that are in darkness need us. And so for us to allow ourselves to isolate ourselves from people that are in darkness is really not of the kingdom, it's quite selfish. So. I'm not talking that we don't ever step into the darkness. We need to step into the darkness to get those that are entrapped there. But this is about people that talk the talk but don't walk the walk, to use an old-fashioned phrase. And the result is you're a liar. You're a fraud. It says you're a liar. You're a fraud. You're a counterfeit hypocrite. 
if you're, walk, if you're talking it, but not walking it. But there's a second part that's really important. It says you're, you're guilty of not doing the truth. So this, this carries the sin component of evil. This is saying it's not enough to claim that we know God, that we know Jesus, but we put into practice and avoid sin. We don't do, we must do the truth. The, the, the light of truth in that person is not the source of their life. The source is the realm of Satan. And it's a scary thought. That's exactly what it is. You're in one camp or the other without meaning to. There, there is no uh, neutral nations in spiritual warfare. Now, our great and everlasting covenant in Christ will help us if we ever make a misstep and you step in manure... He will help clean you up. We'll go into that more later, but, but this is not saying that you can never, ever have stepped into the darkness. All right? Don't, don't, allow, don't allow the enemy to think that now you've thrown it all away because you made a mistake. You know, just because you ate chocolate cake doesn't mean you destroyed your diet, your diet. But now I live verse 7. That's the but if. But if, you think you feel like saying praise the Lord whenever you hear that coming. You hear something like this and it says, but if. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This is so incredible to me. First of all, so we walk in the light. But boy, don't miss the next one. As he is in the light. Do you see what he's telling us? That, that we, we're sanct, our sanctifying lifestyle is being to be Christ-like as he walked in the light of the Father on earth. See, Jesus is light, but he as a human walked in the light of his Father. And so we need to walk in the light. We are not light. So Jesus already made that pattern for us. Walking in the light is stepping into the very will of God to be partners and partakers of the divine nature. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit has designed us to do. And this is what all of us strive to do. And look at the reward. Family. A healthy, loving family. Now, if you were to ask me, before I knew all this stuff, about, if you said... If I was a non, you know, a new Christian, I would have thought that it was to go to heaven. That's the reward. Uh, this other, he's the first reward he mentions is family connection. We're together as the body, and with God as the head, this is the first thing he mentions. Then he I you know what the entire creation is about family. God wanted to create a family on earth that he would dwell with. Do you understand the Garden of Eden was a place of dwelling for him? And then he kept wanting to come back saying, I will, you will be my people, I will be your God, and I will dwell with you. And the ultimate end of the eternal move of God is going to be heaven and earth combined, and we dwell eternally with, with God. This sense of family is so important to God that I'm telling you, God places so much value on family, he died for it. Yes. Do you understand that? That he died for it. Thank you, Jesus. And 
This is a connection that we have as a body. Have you ever, look around this room. Is, are these the people that you would normally connect in your life if you were a non-Christian? We're all so different. There's different ages, different tastes, different things that we like. But the Holy Spirit binds us like family. That's why uh, you were reading Israel. Israel is now all of those in the family of Christ. But you say, but we're not of the blood of Abraham, but we're all the blood of Christ now. So we didn't replace Judaism. We are a continuation of it, grafted into it. So we have a, a common ancestor of Abraham. And so that family, notice all the way through the Bible how that family is so significant. And to use the, the next one, though, is the reward, really, that opens the door to every other gift. Forgiveness of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, it says to walk and to purify. And that's representing a permanent, continual process of walking and being cleansed by the blood. These are ongoing activities. And so walking in light doesn't mean we're never going to sin. But it does mean we, don't, we do not hide it from God that we confess it openly. We release it to him, and we are purified by the precious blood of Christ. I mean, this is the covenant of Jesus Christ. Sealed by his blood eternal, we have light. We have light. We have the light of life, of power, and goodness. We have the light of truth, the light of righteousness, of revelation, and the light of the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.